All right, welcome. This is Tall Poppies Presents. I know how this book ends. This is Amy Impelizari, and I am here today with El Cosimano talking about the story behind the story, the truth behind the fiction of her newest book, Finley Donovan is Killing It. El, thank you so much for being here. It's so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my goodness. I, I told you when I got in touch with you that I was mad at you for um, my sleepless <laughs> nights because I have been staying up late reading this book. It is so good. Of course, I'm not the only one that has discovered it. It is uh, just a few of the accolades. It's one of the most anticipated books of winter 2021 by Parade. It's one of the most anticipated debuts of 2021 by Bustle. It's one of the most anticipated mysteries and thrillers of 2021 from Goodreads and on and on and on. And there's no uh, surprise about that whatsoever. Um, we're going to talk about this book, but first I just want to talk about you and we want to meet you a little bit first because this is actually the first time you and I are meeting. So thank yes. you so much for being here. And you and I actually have something in common. Like you, I left a traditional career in 2010, that exact year. Um, I left my law career in that year and I started on a journey that led to writing for me. I made a big grand move from New York City to Pennsylvania and thought that was like a big risk, but you win because <laughs> what did you do in 2010? <laughs> there must have been something in the air in 2010. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, I myself had spent uh, 14 years roughly on and off um, over the years in real estate um, in various forms, you know, marketing and sales and sales management and just selling homes. And in 2010, I realized I was really just unhappy with my career and kind of where I was in my life. And yeah. um, my mom and her infinite mom wisdom um, <laughs> recognized that Love I was, I know she's, she's fantastic. And she, um, she recognized that I was teetering kind of on the brink of what could quickly become a crisis. And she was the one who suggested that I take a two months sabbatical from my business to write a book. I and that. I, I know I told her, I said, you are out of your mind. I said, there's no way who does this. This is ridiculous. It would be irresponsible. It would be risky. You know, I have, I have obligations and responsibilities. I can't just turn all of that off to write a book. And not just write a book, go, go where to write a book. Oh, well, my parents at the, um, at the time had retired and moved to Mexico. They were, yeah. um, they were down, uh, just North of Tulum. And, um, I had gone, uh, for a brief vacation, I'd taken the children down there to visit with their grandparents and play on the beach. And this <laughs> is the, where she first pitched the idea to me. And she said, you know, why don't you take this summer and bring the boys? I'll watch the boys during the day and you write. You just write as much as you can in the two months that you're here for the summer. This and, is amazing. Uh, yeah. And, and um, why, I, why, was her, why was her suggestion to write a book? Why was it not come rejuvenate? you know, do Pilates on the beach and like, why was it write a book? Why was that the thing? You know, I'm not really sure. And I think, I think probably because I had been joking for years that one day yeah. I was going to have a midlife crisis and leave, leave my life and write a book. And, it. um, you know, I had always enjoyed creative writing when I was young, but I had not, you know, and it had been 20 years since I'd done any creative writing. So I'm not real sure where the suggestion came from, except the fact that I probably made some offhand comment about it at some point and it stuck. 
And I think she just recognized I was at a point in my life where I really needed to do something for myself. I needed to create something for myself. Yeah. You know, as moms, we're always creating for everybody else. Yes. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I left Mexico and, and came home and that idea just started to percolate and it took root. And I think I called her two weeks later and I said, we're coming. Oh my gosh. How old were your boys at that time? Oh goodness. Um, I want to say that that first summer we went down there, they were eight and five. Oh, wow. Okay. They were little. Um, yeah, that's yeah. about right. Cause they're 18 and 15 now. And that was 10 yeah. years ago. So yeah. Oh, we're very similarly situated. I have a 17 and 15 year old boy. And then yeah. also I have a 13 year old girl. So, so at that point, were they, what was their, what were the boys reaction? Were they gung ho? Yeah. Mom's going to follow her dream. Hip, hip, hooray. Or was it something well, else? At eight and five, I think they were all just kind of detached from all of that. They mm -hmm. were just excited to go spend a summer on the beach with their grandparents, which was yeah. wonderful. And, you know, and I and I was in a very, very fortunate and privileged position to be able to do that with them. So, um, yeah. you know, they were they were so lucky to have that time with their grandparents. And I was so lucky to have that kind of support. Um, yeah. There are a lot of people that, that don't have that um, support from their families to be able to to take a risk like that. And, um, and so we did, and they, they had a phenomenal summer. And at the end of every day, my mom would stand at the bottom of the stairs and her hands held out and she would say, show me your pages. <gasps> oh and my gosh, I, I love that. <laughs> and I would have to bring the, every she day was an accountability a, partner, a babysitter, <laughs> a muse. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. She was. And um, so every day I would write one chapter. And at the end of every day, I would bring her my chapter and she would read it and she would gush over it, even if it was terrible. And the next day she would send me right back upstairs. Exactly. And the next day she would send me right back upstairs to do it again. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, at the end, it was uh, a 60 day trip. And I think at the end, I came away with just shy of 60 chapters and, um, and the first draft of a really horrible, <laughs> a really horrible first draft of a yeah. first attempt at a novel. But that's uh, how that, they start. That's how it all starts. Right. That's what Anne Lamott says. That's, they all start that way. They all start that way. And that one went on to become my uh, my debut uh, YA novel in 2014. So that one was near. That was nearly gone. That was nearly gone. Oh my goodness! So look at that. So so tell me about your trajectory to get nearly gone published. Did you, did you uh, get a developmental editor? Did you go a traditional route? Like, tell me how that, yeah. how that happened. Well, I came home from Mexico and of course, you know, my husband was so excited. I was home and he said, this is great. You're going back to work, right? <laughs> and I said, you know, we should talk about that because um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this. And I think I might want to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, my, my husband, and I've been together for almost 30 years now, and he's my best friend and my biggest cheerleader. And he's always been fantastically supportive. And of course, his first question was, well, okay, are you any good at it? And oh, I, I said, <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. And he said, well, how do we find out? Oh my gosh, and I love this. Yeah, all the right questions, all the right questions. You know, at the time, that was really hard for both of us because I was the breadwinner. 
Yeah. And so he, we were both in our careers, but I was the breadwinner. And so for him to, to offer that level of unconditional support was huge. Yeah. And so I said, well, I think I need to go to a conference. I think I need to take mm-hmm. this to a work. I think I need to take it to a workshop and I think I need to have an agent or an editor look at it and tell me if I'm any good at this. Yeah. If they come back and tell me it's horrible, I should keep my job. Then I'm going to come back and dive back into real estate. And we'll just say it was a really fun summer and I needed it and it was wonderful. And if I go and they say this shows any potential at all, then I really want to try to make this happen. Yeah. And so, um, that winter, I, I brushed up the manuscript and that winter I registered for a children's uh, children's literature writing workshop. Yeah. And um, there were agents and editors that were going to be on site that would read samples and give you feedback. And I thought, well, this is the best way for me to find out if this is going to work for me. Yeah. So I went and the feedback was phenomenal. Yeah. And I came home and I said, I, I think I'm going to try to make this work. And so I, um, I took all the feedback I could from the conference and I worked on a query letter and I started querying agents, um, right after the holidays. And, and I ended up, uh, finding, uh, my current agent who after 10 years is still, still hanging oh. with me. She's fantastic. Oh, um, isn't that fun? Yeah. And, um, and she said, I see potential here. It's not there yet, but I can yeah. see the potential in this. So she said, we're, we're going to take a chance on this together. And yeah. um, she put me through my paces. She was a um, acquiring editor for a major publisher for many, many years before she became an agent. Perfect. And um, so she was and very she, editorial. Very editorial. Yes. Very editorial. Mm-hmm. And so she basically wrote me a editorial, a really tough editorial letter. And she said, yeah. "We're going to start this book over. If you're if you're prepared to start this book over, um, we can work together." And yeah. I wrote I wrote that book two more times from scratch that year. Yeah. Um, because the first time I just I didn't hit it. I didn't hit it out of the park. It wasn't where it needed to be. And so she's still an early draft. Yeah. Is, and and I was, it works. Yeah. And I was very new at this. Um, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no formal training in creative writing. Um, so this was all very, very new. So I went back to the drawing board um, and rewrote that book from scratch twice that year. And then the second time I sent it um, after the second full rewrite, she said, now we're getting somewhere. Now we can, now we can do real edits. And so we went back into that book two or three times um, and polished it up and fixed a few things before we took it out on submission. We ended up uh, getting a preempt with uh, a phenomenal acquiring editor at Penguin. Uh And uh um, the book ended up uh, publishing in 2014, and it went on to be um, nominated for an Edgar Award and the International Thriller Award. It won the International Thriller Award that year. Yeah, Yeah, it was um, it was quite a year. You certainly knocked it out of the park then. I had a great team behind me. Yeah, I had a great team behind me. So then four uh, books come out before Mm -hmm. we get to the book that we're going to talk about today. And they're all marketed as YA novels. Yeah. And I I have read something that you said, um, which I just agree. I, I'm not going to ask you the question that I know a lot of people ask you, which is, what's the big difference? Because Finley Donovan is Killing It is now marketed as a, a adult novel, right? Your, your debut adult yes. contemporary novel. Right. So a lot of people I'm sure are asking you, well, what's the difference between writing YA and adult novels, right? And, <laughs> and the reality is, right, I, I read that you 
have said this, and I haven't written YA, but I have written from a lot of different perspectives. And and I I read that you have said like that it's really about changing the lens, right? And it's not right. necessarily um, a totally different process. And I think that makes so much sense because we're always trying to write from the lens of different characters, right? It's just that this is a different aged character, right? Right, exactly. So I, you know, I approach the process the exact same way. Yeah. Um, you know, that makes I don't, sense to me. you know, I don't, um, I don't talk down to young adult readers. I, you right. know, I approach, I approach the process exactly the same way I would for adults. I'm asking the characters all the same questions. They're just answering them from a different point in their lives. And, yeah. and so it is a different lens, but the process of mining that character and, and building a plot for me are all the same. It wasn't a, so much like a leap in process for me. It was just more a, a leap in market. Um, it was just a different market yeah. to, to, to come into. Yeah. And she's, you know, so Finley Donovan is a, a suburban mom. She's also a writer. Um, she is divorced. She has, um, she has children and a babysitter and she's in, in a Panera, she the, the story opens with her in a Panera trying to pitch a new book to her agent. And of course, this is based on some German truth <laughs> that happened in your own life. Do you want to share your 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 murder plotting <laughs> escapade yeah. in Panera that led to the book? <laughs> yeah, this um this book is is really funny because it there's a lot of the the basic premise and yeah. the character that for me are very sort of meta like they sort yeah, of reflect so like reflect the whole thing I was like, this is just so much I, that was the exact word I kept thinking as I'm reading it's so mad I love it I know so it sort of reflects a lot of different elements in my own yeah. life and yeah. um but you know the the inspiration for the story actually um did come in much the same way that the setup of Finley Donovan begins. So Finley Donovan opens um, with her meeting with her agent in a very busy Panera. Um, she's overdue on her deadline and she's talking through some plot ideas with her agent when the woman at the next table misinterprets the conversation and assumes that Finley is a contract killer. Right. And it's just so perfect. <laughs> and she slips Finley a note with a promise of $50,000 cash if Finley will agree to kill her problem husband. So, um, but the inspiration for that beginning came from an actual meeting about writing in Panera. Um, so my critique partners for the last 10 years are um, Ashley Elston and Megan Miranda. And yeah. we have a, we have a fantastic relationship. They are, they are also moms. We've been in the business for about the same length of time. We share an agent. So, and we write a lot of the same kinds of stories, thrillers. We, we all started in YA. So yeah. um, you know, we, we bonded very quickly years ago and every year we set aside time for a writing retreat. And early 2018, actually February 2nd, 2018, we were um, having lunch during one of these retreats at a very busy Panera. And normally we try to find a very secluded booth in a quiet place to discuss murder and mayhem. But <laughs> we had just hit the Panera at the lunch rush and right. the place was packed. And so it was my turn. I was talking through um, a troublesome plot. It happened to be a very violent one that involved having to plan a character's death. And how was that going to happen? And how were we going to, there was a magical element involved. It was a fantasy novel. There was a magical element involved. And I had to 
um, figure out what to do with the body and the blood based on the magic in this world. We were speaking and we weren't really addressing the magic. We were addressing the murder. And it was a, a few minutes into the conversation that it occurred to me that the woman at the table beside us was looked, she looked very uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it occurred to me that, you know, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. This is just a creative part of our process, but to anyone right. else, this must sound like a really horrible conversation we're having and right. it could be misinterpreted by anyone. Well, later on that night, we were having dinner at Ashley's extended family's house and they were asking us about our day and how, you know, how was it going plotting and, and revising and working. And we were telling them this funny story about our situation in Panera where the people around us seemed to be uncomfortable with the content of the conversation. <laughs> and one of Ashley's cousins said, well, wouldn't it have been funny if she thought you were contract killers? Unbelievable. And I love it. It was like lightning when yes. like, it just like it just struck me and I could not get that thought out of my head. And by the end of the night, we got back to the hotel that night. And I just, as soon as the elevator door shut, I said, I have an idea for a story. And I think I think this could be something. And so yeah. I pitched the idea of an author who is mis misunderstood at a lunch meeting and inadvertently accepts a offer to kill someone for money. And that was, that was the beginning of Finley Donovan. And this is what's so great, right? So, and by the way, I have written a lot of books in, I have written a lot, a lot of my books in Panera too. I feel like there should be some like spot broad sponsorship by Panera of, of, right, of authors, right. right? Okay. So Finley Donovan, you know, it starts with the, this wonderful first line that everyone has been talking about, you know, it's a widely known fact that most moms are ready to kill someone by 8.30 a.m. on any given Monday. And so, you know, so true. And then it's got this really fabulous heroine character who I've read that you've said it's really important to you that she was relatable. And she embarks on this really wacky adventure where all sorts of things are happening to her and she's you know she's affecting things and she's uh, encountering you know Russian mobsters and the hot bartender who's sort of a law student maybe you know by day and bar bartender by night and he's falling a little in love with her and he's like ignoring the fact that she's you know a suburban <laughs> divorced mom and she's got this like really badass babysitter accomplice that is like unlike any babysitter I've ever had but like the babysitter <laughs> I've always wanted right 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 and so like all those things are happening and I will tell you as a suburban despite all of that as a suburban working mom with kids who's also a writer who's also divorced I found her completely relatable and so I'm trying to find out why do you think this woman who you really put in this some really fantastical situations. How, why do you think she is so relatable? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was important to me that she be relatable yeah. going into it because it was such an over-the-top idea for a book. I mean, the the plot itself is is ridiculous. It's off the rails. It's and awesome. and I and I think <laughs> yeah, it is fabulous. I love it. But it is so much fun. But when you take a story like that, you know, I think the 
the reader has to ground themselves somewhere. And in this yeah. case, the, the answer was they had to ground themselves in her. And, yeah. and so it was important to me that she be very real. If everything else is very unreal and kind of wild and out there and, and um, rompy, I wanted her character to feel very real that the, that the reader could kind of see themselves in her head and heart and be grounded through that story and be willing to go on that ride with her. Yeah. So, you know, I, in terms of making her relatable, um, a lot of her voice comes from my own and mm. a lot of her experience comes from my own. I'm very, very fortunate to have a very supportive family um, and, and a very supportive partner, which is, um, you know, an advantage that Finley does not have in the story. But um, my experiences as a mom who is a creative working from home, you know, where you're you're not getting that steady paycheck and yeah. a lot of a lot of times we're undervalued and and you know we're constantly getting feedback about you know the the nature of our work and is it real work and should we get a real job and yes. is it too too risky because there's no steady salary and that kind of feedback, that all came from a very authentic place. My struggles and frustrations as a writer over the years, that that came from a very, very real part of my own inner voice and, and my own struggles and my own frustrations. The motherhood elements came from those very um, fresh and real memories of what it's like to have two small children at home and trying yeah. to juggle what you hope is going to become a fruitful career that leaves you working nights, you know, because the days are so full with motherhood. And, yeah. and so that those frustrations, the fatigue, that bone weary exhaustion came from a very real place. Yeah. I felt it. You feel it for sure. Yeah. You feel that. And you, and listen, I can tell you as somebody who didn't necessarily have the same level of support when she made the decision to transition from my career. It was a very, re there was a very, you hit a really realistic beat there. And it was, it was really beautiful. And I, I really commend you for it. Cause it was, I just kept thinking, wow, yeah, I, I believe, I, I mean, I really did. I believed where, where you were taking me. And it was, it was really fabulous. Here's something that's really funny. You're talking about, you know, you're injecting your own experiences as writer, right? If Finley's a writer, mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was so, those parts were so fascinating because as a writer and a reader, when it's so uncommon for writers to peel back that curtain and reveal the behind the scenes of the publishing industry, you never see that, right? We right. never talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I, there were moments that I gasped out loud and they had nothing to do with the Ru Russian mobs. They, were, they had to do when, when you actually revealed advance numbers. I said, I can't believe she's doing this. And I just wanted to know, you know, from the meager, you know, starting advances to the breakout advances to the stress of having to pay back your advance if you don't meet your deadline, like all these things that people don't know about if you're not, right. in the, you know, in the business and nobody ever talks about. Exactly. Now, you got to tell me, did your agent or editor ever say, oh, no, 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 you can't put that in? No, you know, it's funny. No one ever did. And I That's think, so um, I, I love it. And I, I think that there's something to be said for the raw honesty of it too. Yeah. Because, you know, there are, there are a lot of things that we know that within the industry that we all kind of talk about behind the curtain, you know, we yep. all, you know, we're all vaguely aware of, yeah. you know, what most mid-list writers make and what most beginning writers make and the breakout advances. A lot of us are aware of the contract clauses and what we risk if we don't fulfill our end of the obligation of the contract. 
Um, yeah. You know, those kinds. And we, a lot of us are aware of, you know, we know what it feels like to, you know, put on a persona of a successful author. And at the same time, we know that walking down the street, no one knows us from anybody. Right. Um, and we might have three people in the world who've read our books, you know, like right. a lot of us, a lot of us can relate to, to, you know, having to get on social media and talk about how wonderful and successful everything is, but behind the curtain, you know, what, what it feels like to get that phone call from um, your agent, or your editor and sales aren't quite what they need to be to keep a series going or to get another renewal on a contract. You know, those are things that we never talk about outside of the industry. And it was fun and kind of cathartic to put some of that on the page. Like it, 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 it felt good to poke a little bit of fun at it, but a lot yeah. of it came from very real, you know, experiences. So well, no listen, one... it was cathartic to read it on the page. So there you go. I think it was very, I thought, you know, good for you. And I did really wonder if any, if you had experienced any pushback, I'd love to hear that you didn't. And I think it was, I, I honestly, I think those were brave uh, moves. And I think they added probably to the authentic authenticity and the honesty of the work in general, because you just, you know, made, I believed you because you were telling the truth about a lot of stuff. So I thought that was really interesting. It was fun. That was a really yeah. fun element to play off of. And yeah. you know, there, there are things that are exaggerated, just like, yeah. you know, just like the plot. You know, my agent is super professional. She's nothing like the agent that I portray oh, sure. in, in Finley's story. Um, and there, you know, there are certain elements of the plot that probably would, you know, would not have happened in a real publishing situation. But it's some of those very finer details that, you know, that we raise about, you know, your the odds of getting an agent and the odds of getting published and, and the the advance numbers and the contract stipulations and things like that, that, that I think do lend to, it, it brings balance to kind of a wild story to anchor it in some of those real details. And, and I, I had a lot right. of, I had a lot of fun playing with that. I think that's right. I think that's fabulous. So we call this, I know how this book ends and we do like to talk about how the book ends, but not, we will not do a spoiler. We will not give it away. So I want to just talk generally about uh, two surprises at the end of this mm -hmm. book. And the one, <laughs> the one is the epilogue, which we yeah. won't, we won't spill, but I will say um, the epilogue is a surprise and I love it. And I'm assuming, so correct me if I'm wrong, is that the stepping off point for book number two? Yes. This is going to be a series now, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, so readers, yeah. stay tuned. You'll when you get to the epilogue, you'll understand what book two is going to be about, which, you know, or at least the stepping off point for it, which is fabulous. And the other surprise for me, I thought it was a surprise. There's a surprise without giving anything away. Mm -hmm. Finley is involved in a lot of uh, of adventure in this book. And she ultimately um, discloses, spills her role in some of the activities to a person that I didn't expect her to spill it to. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, that was a surprise. It was a great surprise. I thought it was a really great, uh, very satisfactory way to handle it as a reader. But mm -hmm. was it always, did you, did you always know that that's how it was going to end? Yeah, no, I really, um, I really didn't until I actually sat down to the, to write that part of the book. And I generally write in a linear fashion. I usually kind of start at the beginning and, and work my way through. So I, you know, I'm sitting here at the closing of the book, trying to figure out how do I wrap this up? Because we, as the reader are certainly rooting for her and can't figure out by that point, we really can't figure out how she's going <laughs> to land on her feet. So, so good on you for leading us to that place where we're like, this is not going to end well. And then we're like, oh, Oh, wait a minute. 
it will end yeah. well. Okay. It yeah. does. It's, I think it's, a, I like to think it's a satisfying ending. Very she, satisfying you know, ending. She, yes. It, for her, you know, I had to close a, a lot of things. I have to close the arc of the mystery, but I also yeah. have to close her character arc and kind of bring her to a place where she's, she's grown. And part of that growth is, you know, um, is recognizing that she's been a lot of people through this story. Yeah. She's kind of, she's put on a lot of, um, you know, wigs, so to speak, um, yeah. in terms of the lies and, and things that she's had to, to do in order to get herself out of trouble and keep herself on the right side of the law through the story. And so at the end, I really wanted her to have a raw, honest moment where she can, um, where she can be herself and, and be truthful. And she makes a choice to divulge some truths to someone. And I, I had to kind of, um, make some decisions about who that person was going to be. And to me, yeah. it felt right. That decision felt very right. So um, it was, it yeah. was right. And, and it was great because it wasn't predictable. And so it felt, um, it felt exciting. It felt like part of the ride, but then it also did feel incredibly satisfying. So I really, I thought good. that was really great. Yeah. So, so we have to talk about the big news, right? So this, yeah. <laughs> this, this book is killing it. And uh, it has just been announced that it's been uh, optioned for television mm -hmm. and it's going to be produced by, oh, you know, uh, Marlene King of, of uh, Pretty Little Liars fame. So that's pretty exciting. And I need, you need to have us be a fly on the wall and you need to tell us how and when you get that news. Please take us sure. there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, I think for the last 10 years I've been writing and I've, ever, you know, people always ask you, are you ever going to turn your books into a TV right. show or a movie? Like, like, we just right. like, you're, magic like you're just sitting make... around waiting to do that. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe today. Today looks like a great day. Let's do it. Right. Um, so, yeah. I love that. A lot of people don't really understand what's involved in those processes, but it's um, it is kind of that rare unicorn event in publishing. Mm -hmm. And I never let myself dream that far. I just, you know, it's felt more practical to me to stay very grounded in the books and the goals yeah. of the books. Yeah. And so I was um, a little floored when my agent emailed me and she said, hey, I've sent the finished book to an agent at WME. Um, and she's read it and she thinks that this could really go somewhere. And so if you're okay with it, we're going to sub it out to some producers and see if anybody is interested. And, um, so of course I was like over the moon. I thought, well, this is great. Just, you know, this is wonderful. Absolutely. But I, I think in my heart of hearts, I never really let myself get too, um, committed to that idea because it seemed like such a, a far reach goal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I kind of put it out of my head and, um, it, it was not long, not long after, I mean, it couldn't have been more than a week or two later that, that we started getting feedback that, um, producers were really excited about this book Oh my and gosh. plural producers, plural. Yes, so it wasn't, it's amazing. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just, you know, one or two people. Apparently it was a lot of people who were interested in this book and would I be interested in setting up some phone calls? And so, <laughs> yes, sure. So I, I spent about a week in calls with, and of course I can't tell you who these calls are with, yeah. but I can tell you these are people I never in a million years would have imagined myself speaking to on the phone. Amazing. So it was like, it was so surreal. Like I couldn't even wrap my mind around it. It was all very, it was all very 
incredible. But one of those people that I spoke to during the week was the extraordinary Marlene Kane. Mm. And, and she was phenomenal. And I just felt like I felt like we connected with when it came to Finley and Barrow's relationship being the heart of the story. Yeah. Um, I felt like she really understood the character. I felt like um, she would respect the original material, the source material, the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I felt very comfortable in her capable hands is the best way to explain mm. it. Like, That's I just amazing. felt like if, if I had to hand off something I had created, it would feel safe to hand this book to, to Marlene. And um, so we ended up getting several offers and it went to auction. And, um, you know, at the end of the whole process, you know, I just felt so good choosing Marlene like this. It, it felt right. And um, she's so excited and so passionate about this book. And I just feel like she's going to turn it into something extraordinary. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Well, we can't wait to see Finley Donovan on the screen. And I love just like you said, it is a rare unicorn event. And I love that it happened for you. And after this journey of, you know, it's certainly, I'm sure from the to the outside world, it looks like an overnight success, but we're hearing exactly what what went into that moment. And so it's, it's earned, it's well deserved. And I hope you're taking like a moment to like, just stop and appreciate it and be in the moment and enjoy it. It's been fantastic. And I'm so, so lucky. So when can we expect book number two in the series? Um, I don't know the exact dates yet. Um, it is okay. already drafted. It's with my editor uh, now, and I'm expecting a, a round of editorial notes that will um, keep me very busy, you know, this spring. Um, awesome. My hope is that we'll be looking at uh, the typical one-year gap between books and series. Yeah. So um, ideally, we'd be looking at early 2022. Well, we can't wait. Al, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you made time in the middle of your busy launch schedule. The book is <laughs> Finley Donovan is killing it. Everybody needs to run out and read it quickly before you see it on the screen, right? Um, so it's good to read the book first. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elle. Thank you, Amy. I had so much fun.